21 Savage, the most savage rapper since 20 Savage, <laughs> has been in the streets for a long time representing Atlanta. Like, he is pure Atlanta hip-hop. Or at least we thought so until yesterday. Our next guest is one of the hottest names in hip-hop here to perform his hit song, Bank Account. Please welcome 21 Savage. U.S. immigration officials arrested rapper 21 Savage in Atlanta this morning. His real name is Shay Abin Abraham Joseph. Officials say the British citizen entered the U.S. illegally. Oh, don't tell me 21 Savage. Or wait, wait, wait. Maybe I should call him 21 Bloke? Nah, maybe 21 Lad. Or maybe that's 21 Bro. Actually no, no, no. Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Today we talk hip-hop. Grammy-nominated rapper 21 Savage was apprehended by ICE earlier this month for overstaying his visa. Although he was released on bond this Wednesday, his permanent stay in America still lies in jeopardy, potentially leaving behind three American-born children, millions of dollars in revenue, and countless fans who support him in the U.S. Aside from a multi-million dollar career, this is a story all too familiar for thousands of families separated under the same circumstance. Erickson Immigration Group attorneys Justin Parsons and Hibba Amber join along with special guest XXL Magazine journalist Tony Santino to share 21's story, effectively putting a face and a name to what many families are currently going through today. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. Hello, Tony. I'm glad to have you on. How you doing? Good, good, man. Good to be here. Good, good. We're here to talk about 21 Savage. He is a Atlanta hip-hop rapper who, on February 4th, uh, was uh, arrested by ICE. He overstayed his visa. So he's currently going through uh, that process right now. We're going to talk about the legal implications of that, uh, the likelihood of him staying in America, or whether he'll be deported. Um, but before we get there, we need a little background to this artist, this hip hop artist. He's, he's well known in the hip hop community. But for those who are a little unfamiliar uh, with this artist, uh, could you give a little background on who he is? Yeah, sure. So 21 Savage came out really around the time of like 2015-ish. You know, he was starting to gain his ground in, in the uh, Atlanta industry and then eventually branched his way out. Um, you know, after he dropped the Florida tape, teamed up with uh, Metro Boomin for his uh, collaborative album. After that, kind of blew up after um, he, he releases a debut album, uh, Issa album which kind of like came off of that like viral joke that went around with the memes and you know he's starting to get a lot more national attention his song bank account I believe it debuted at number two and then you know he started getting more ground when um he seen double post malone um he uh did his song rockstar uh obviously grammy nominated song yeah it went like seven times platinum right so right, this right, is yeah, number one yeah, song yeah, in the country Exactly, and it's 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 been it's been like you know for for 21 like for him to get that kind of uh, shine and and attention you know especially with with someone like Post Malone who's not only you know has uh, grounds in the rap world but he also has 
you know, like a pop appeal. Like he's got more of a, uh, you know, interna- like international global type of appeal. Yeah. So he just dropped his recent album. I am, I was, and um, it's it debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. You mm-hmm. know, so yeah. So so um he's he's definitely uh, a well-known and well-respected uh artist in the in the industry and I I we also have uh Hibba and and, and Justin here. Yeah. So actually before we kind of go into the boring stuff, I was wondering Tony, so one of the things that I was reading was I guess a couple of things that I have a question for you about. One thing that I was reading I guess, I guess he performed on the Jimmy Fallon show maybe like a, a couple of weeks before he was arrested. And I guess there was a couple of verses about ice and, and criticizing the child separation act. So maybe if you could, if you have knowledge about it, you could just maybe shed some light on that. And then, so I think that I guess he's known for, you know, being from Atlanta, but I guess he was born in the UK. So I'm kind of curious to know like whether most people knew that or whether this is something that, that kind of startled a lot of folks. Like if he knew that he was being investigated or something like that, or yeah, you know, just I, it's a a lot of a lot of people are just saying that it's a bit of a coincidence that he's that he's publicly criticizing ICE and then you know on on national TV and some of the policies and then you know a couple of weeks later he's arrested. One of the things that was notable about this case, Rev, as you know, uh, was the timing. Uh, I'm going to play what Twenty One Savage said on national television about effectively. Trump border policies and ICE, which happened right before his arrest. Here's this famous musician a lot of people have heard of who wasn't bothered until. Been through some things, but I couldn't imagine my kids stuck at the border. Flint still need water. People was innocent, couldn't get lawyers. Kids stuck at the border, people was innocent, quote, couldn't get lawyers soon enough, arrested by ICE in this in this big public display. He needed a Well, I mean, to be honest, like in the era that, you know, we're living in right now, like, you know, in the, the political climate that we're they're experiencing, um, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, but uh, I haven't seen anything that can confirm. Right. It's, it, it, it is, seems like an interesting coincidence. Yeah. It seems it, like... It, a- it is definitely an interesting coincidence. <laughs> I ain't going to front on that. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely a conspiracy theory I've, I've definitely seen since since the news broke. And I think the other question was like, how has the community sort of reacted? Since since the news broke, we've had a lot of people, um, you know, within the hip hop community respond in, in different ways. Um, you know, you've had T.I. who's been absolutely fighting for this guy. You know what I mean? Like announcing ICE's moves. Before we got on this call, I, I saw that he had posted a video with a, a bunch of celebrities actually vouching for him and basically just saying free 21 Savage and obviously we're going to get our wish on Wednesday. But is that because of like the Atlanta connection? Is it because they're both fellow Atlanta artists or do they have like another connection beyond that? The hip hop community is very strong in the sense that, you know, something happens to one, like we all, like people just, you know, rally behind the others and, you know, really supportive. But at the, at the same time, there are people who are just, like, personally connected with him, who have worked with him in the studio, who have performed with him at festivals and stuff like that. People like Offset, who, uh, from Amigos, who has uh, been very vocal about all the jokes and stuff like that that have been shared throughout social media. Obviously, you've seen all the 21 Savage memes, you know, uh, different stars like Demi Lovato and, you know, even, like, pundits and stuff like that have been criticized for making 
light of the situation. So um, you've got different artists like that who have really stood up for, for 21 and are not taking this situation lightly, especially with everything that's going on within our government regarding ICE and the current immigration situation. Right. So, and I think that kind of leads into one of the things I wanted to pick your brain on, uh, you know, so 21 has garnered so much support from the public. Jay-Z, he's offered to pay uh, his lawyer fees. Congressman Henry C. Hank Johnson writes a letter to ICE saying that, you know, he is in good standing in uh, Atlanta um, because, you know, every I actually didn't know, but every year he does, you know, um, food drives and back to school drives every year. Every year, he's saying this guy is definitely a positive force within the community. What's up, you guys? This your girl, Cassie Lately, with Lately Entertainment TV. And right now, I'm live down here at Club Libra at the third annual Back to School Drive with 21 Savage. Man, he got free haircuts, free uniforms, free back to school supplies, and free hairstyles for the girls. So let's check it out. We out here, 21 Savage, Back to School Bash. We're doing it for the kids. You know, I got my daughter, so we got book bags, we got uniforms, all that. Just out here showing love, man. One love. Hey, man, 21 Savage is a very, very humble and real individual. You don't, it's rare to find people like him. Now, I mean, it ain't too many artists that giving back to the community, like in a big way, like this. He going down in history for this. And they going to get bigger and bigger every year. You know, just to see these kids with a smile on his face, it makes me happy. And then additionally, he had four, over 400,000 petitions um, of signatures um, that, that were signed advocating for his release, which will be happening on Wednesday. So I think I have a couple of ideas why he is, you know, so supported and so protected. Um, but why do you think the hip hop community specifically is rallying behind 21. I think that it is a, a wake-up call for them. Hip-hop has a, as a whole hasn't been completely denouncing what's going on uh, down at the border. I feel that, you know, now that it's happened to one of their own, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, this can happen to anybody. It, right. it, they don't have to be from, from South America. They don't have to be from the Middle East. They could be from Canada and it can happen to them. They finally realize that now that one of their own has is going through these kinds of issues and and uh, and actually being in ISIS custody. Now they know that yo, this is something that we have to speak up about. Right, absolutely, and I think it has risen the awareness of the public. Many politicians speak on the matter. Have uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and others. How do you think this high-profile case will drive the conversation of immigration reform as as a policy? How do you guys see that? So I definitely think that there's potential to shine additional light on the immigration topic, particularly when it comes to deportation removal type immigration matters. Uh, I think what's important to understand is that there have been uh, trends that have been taking place in the last two years under the Trump administration that have not necessarily been the most immigrant friendly. Opponents of the administration's policies would argue that this has been definitely a very kind of unprecedented two years and the administration has taken a very kind of hardline stance. So I think that there's definitely, you know, to Tony's point, going to be a lot more uh, conversation and discourse 
And I think the participants in the conversation are are, are definitely going to come from more diverse backgrounds, uh, including communities that maybe aren't so directly impacted by a lot of the immigration matters that have been on the forefront of you know public debate. This is going to shed more light on various different areas of the current administration's policies because we think about this from the perspective of, oh, removal proceedings or deportation or whatnot. But a little known fact is that people started writing about trends towards the administration's attitude towards U visa applicants as far back as like, you know, I think early to mid 2018. ICE had actually stepped up its enforcement actions on applicants uh, or beneficiaries of U visas while they were waiting for their applications to be adjudicated. So on the one hand, you know, I think, you know, it's it is an interesting coincidence, right? I mean, we have a public figure who is, um, you know, publicly criticizing what's going on at the border and child separation and whatnot. But what a lot of us didn't know is that he was also a beneficiary of a pending U visa application. So now we're starting to look at a lot of other areas of the Trump administration's uh, attitude towards immigration. So, yeah, I, I think that this is definitely an interesting vehicle to garner that additional attention. You know, it's, it's, we're, we're going about focusing on this topic now from a very different perspective. Right, right. So getting into, I guess, the nuts and bolts of 21 Savage actual situation. So yes. I, if it's okay with you, I want to take it back even further. Okay. <laughs> hey, we're time hopping. Yeah. So I, I think it's important <laughs> to understand um, what the immigration related circumstances were that led to 21 okay. Savage's yeah. current situation, right? So yeah, I would actually like to know about that because <laughs> I definitely want to get some insight on this. So if the articles are to be believed, then 21 Savage was the beneficiary of an H-4 visa, which is a dependent visa, right? Um, normally, when we come across H-4 dependents, it's because they are the spouses or children of H-1B visa holders, right? I think in this instance, there are some reports that his um, mother was on an H-2. I, I actually don't know. But the dependent visa expired and what should have happened prior to that expiration is an extension should have been filed. And without getting into the legal you know, nuances, there should have been circumstances that supported the filing of that extension, right? Uh, it looks like clearly, you know, as a result of you know, facts that have come to light, clearly someone did not do what they were supposed to do you know, several years ago. And 21 Savage has uh, apparently remained without any sort of immigration status for several years, right? So if you're going to overstay your visa and remain in the United States for that long of a period, right, then essentially what you're doing is you're accruing unlawful presence. Um, unlawful presence carries severe consequences in the forms of three-year, 10-year, and possibly even permanent bars from the United States, depending on the specific circumstances surrounding your overstay. So now, so now let's jump ahead, if you don't mind, to what happened recently. Uh, 21 Savage gets arrested and picked up by ICE, and he gets taken into custody. He's released on bond. He's officially going to be subject to removal proceedings now. Removal proceedings, also known as deportation proceedings. So everything that 21 Savage, if, if I was his lawyer, I would now be focusing on how to uh, mount the best defensive argument to request cancellation of the removal proceedings that inevitably my client is going to be subject to at this point, right? Um, 
on the flip side, he had already affirmatively filed that U visa application. So just by way of background, a U visa application is for somebody who either has been the victim of a crime or somebody who has been cooperating with the U.S. officials to help resolve a crime. You know, maybe they're testifying, maybe they're a witness or something like that. No one, to my knowledge, has the details of the U visa application, whether, you know, 21... Savage was claiming to be the victim or perhaps he's participating in some other capacity, right? So um, I think what remains to be seen now is whether or not there's any form of discretionary relief in the temporary stay of removal proceedings pending the adjudication of the U visa. The trend under the current administration makes me think that there may not be that sort of favorable exercise of discretion. And then, you know, his attorneys are going to have to essentially analyze whether or not he meets the criteria for cancellation of removal um, in terms of, you know, how long he's been physically present in the United States, uh, whether or not he's got any sort of criminal convictions. And I think more importantly, whether or not his removal from the United States is going to cause extreme hardship to his, you know, U.S. citizen relatives, you know, be it a spouse or a child, uh, just based on, yeah, I mean, based on a kind of cursory review of the situation, it seems like that might possibly be his strongest argument. Uh, I understand that he's got some recent criminal convictions as well. Right. Yeah. Tony, are you able to, uh, I think one of the reports that I read, um, is that he had some, he had a criminal record. Do you, do you know anything about that? From what I understand about his his criminal background, like I know that he was arrested in between 2016 and 2015. Um, and at that point, that should have been a sign right there to at least get his legal status checked. Now, as far as like the charges that he faced, I believe it had something to do with possession. I'm not sure if it was gun or drug possession. Other than that, I don't, I don't believe that, that he has like that deep of a, so of a criminal I think what's important to point out, though, Tony, is that when it comes to immigration, criminal convictions, be it a misdemeanor or, you know, a, I don't know, lower level felony, um, actually gets quite heightened when immigration law is applied. Right. So there's a term in immigration law called an aggravated felony. And there are a lot of people who in certain instances might be convicted of a misdemeanor at the state level, but based on the way that immigration law defines a crime that warrants negative immigration consequences, a lot of these uh, acts can can be somewhat heightened, you know? So, you know, my concern is that that is also going to serve as a barrier for him seeking some sort of relief, you know, to, to removal, basically. Right, right. And that I can understand. But at the same time, like, you know, like his contributions to the community, obviously his celebrity status, things of this nature that would be able to, you know, help absolve any other type of celebrity, maybe like Justin Bieber. Like for That's example, a really good point. 21 should at least have a chance. You know what I mean? That's a good point. I think it's going to be interesting moving forward. We were kind of talking about, you know, what is the likelihood of 21 being able to stay here in America. We can only speculate a little context to that. Uh, Georgia is one of the most strict states when it comes to immigration court. They're well above like the average in terms of asylum denials. Um, They're around like a 
90% denial rate. Yeah, I was going to say, anecdotally speaking, I had to go down there early on in my career for an asylum case. It was actually a guy who was, he was a minister in Atlanta and he was, he had some drug convictions in his past. And uh, it, I, I quite remember it being a tough place. I think there was only two or three judges there at the time. Um, but I, I do recall going in there a little nervous um, reading kind of the, you know, the approval rates because it, it is a, and it's not a friendly jurisdiction, maybe like New York or San Francisco. So yeah, it's, it's definitely an uphill battle. Uh, so what you guys would say, is there a pathway to uh, a permanent residence and how would that maybe unfold or is it hard to say? I think that he would have to be successful on two fronts. His attorney would have to be successful in their uh, cancellation of removal and that's going to be providing a lot of evidence, um, possibly even incorporating some of the points that Tony made about, you know, his status in the community and his contributions to the community and, you know, a lot of his charitable work. But mostly I think that that argument is going to rest on extreme hardship to his U.S. citizen, I think in this case his children. If he's successful on that other front, then a um, beneficiary of a U visa then has the opportunity to apply for legal permanent residence and can even go on to apply for U.S. citizenship. So the options exist. I think the concern here is the likelihood of success. The other thing I would chip in, my two cents is, so say he is, he loses his case and he's ordered removed. So we're talking about not only impacting his ability to stay here, but also it could impact his ability to come back and tour in the future in the U.S. So you're talking about like potentially, you know, him losing a lot of money. There's a lot writing on this, you know, not only for from, you know, his personal level, but I also think his, you know, his managers, his you know, all the folks are relying on him, his record label, et cetera. So there's there's a lot there's a lot of money, there's a lot of cash writing on this. And I could be wrong, but I would imagine that the majority of his audience is in the States and touring abroad may not necessarily be as profitable as if he was still able to tour I don't in the think United he has States. Toured, um, outside of America yet. So we're talking his, like his livelihood here. here. Yeah. His base is here. We're happy that, you know, the community is uh, supporting him, hopefully in the in the courts, the systems, they get to see the actual person that, that he is. He's had a troubled past, but since, you know, being an artist has given back to the community and has good standing. Um, but as we all know, and, you know, in terms of like immigration courts, that is always a toss up. It, it, it's definitely a toss up. Tony, did you have any uh, final words? Um, honestly, I just think hopefully that not only the, the hip hop industry takes this situation seriously, but the music industry as a whole uses this point of reference. Artists who have an opportunity to, you know, fight for not only those who are suffering, you know, trying to get into our country down at the border, but also to fight for any other victims of, of the immigration system, no matter where they're from. Other than that, all I got to say is just 321 Savage. <laughs> hey, man, that's all we need to hear. I appreciate you for coming on. Thank you, Justin and Hibba, for coming on to Immigration Nerds Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, man. For more immigration updates, make sure to follow us on Twitter at EIG Nerds Podcast and join in the conversation. I'm Ian Gaines. See you next time.